welcome, ladies, to buy every word. Oh, what a blessing to be able to sit and talk about the word of God and ponder the things of God and let him change our thoughts and our minds to focus on him. We pray that you had a blessed Thanksgiving. Um, Colby, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I had amazing Thanksgiving. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Yes. yes. Ours was pretty restful, pretty restful, which was good. All right. We're on chapter 11 today. Um, and as we had last week, a miraculous work of God of bringing Gentiles into the family of God by the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Um, Peter uh, and those men who were with him now um, return to Jerusalem. And um, Peter is giving an account to the Jewish believers of what God did. Um, his testimony demonstrates really this whole sequence of events was God's work. It, it wasn't his work at all. I mean, he had a part in it, but it was God's work. Both his and Cornelius' testimonies confirmed the Lord's direct providential hand. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit confirmed the Lord's salvation and power was granted also to believing Gentiles. A miraculous account. Now, here he comes back and it says... The apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea, they heard the Gentiles had received the word of God. When I think of the word of God, it is the message of salvation, but Christ himself is the word, which is a beautiful picture for us because we receive the word in us and Christ is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what happened with these people. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, it says those who were circumcised, they took issue with him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. I looked up the word took issue, diakrinos. It is the same word God actually used Peter when he spoke to him in chapter 10, verse 20, saying, arise, therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. The word um, in that context meant to contend with oneself, hesitate or doubt. So he's saying, don't contend with yourself or doubt, but go with these men. In this context, it's about contending with another person. Um, it's kind of having a hostile spirit to oppose somebody. And that's what these, these folks were doing about circumcision. When I think about what God did through Peter's vision and experience, and also with Cornelius, it's pretty amazing because he changed Peter's spiritual vision from the way he looked at Gentiles to then no longer see them as common or unclean men, but as men who would become brothers in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, a complete different way of looking. Salvation had come to the Jew first, but now it had also come to the Greek. And these Jews, they took issue with them, not because the Gentiles received the word of God, but because Peter's association and fellowship with uncircumcised men. So when they heard the stories in the news about these Gentiles, their focus went straight to how Peter broke Jewish law by entering Cornelius's house and staying with them a couple of days, defiling himself. He was eating with unclean, uncircumcised men. Um, we know they held very firm convictions about God themselves and the Gentiles, and the Lord was going to adjust those just like he did with Peter. I love how he does this in this passage. So he used the very issue about personal defilement to show Peter that his perception about anyone or anything was subject to God's ordained will, because God showed him, you need to change your thinking. 
because this is how I am reaching, you know, everyone. Um, what he declared to be clean was no longer to be considered common, not to have an attitude about these people. Um, we looked last week, you spoke about the repetition. It says it again. He repeated it three times. I mean, that is like, this is written in stone. You need to get this. <laughs> How very specific. It establishes a matter. Um, so in Christ, there's so many lessons for us in this. There's so many. But in Christ, there cannot exist contempt of one man for another. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ died for all. Um, and God's after the heart of all men. So this really speaks to the issue of how we look at people with partiality, or we make a decision about somebody based on our own perceptions. Um, it, it's huge. And we're going to talk about some of these things in a little bit. I just want to get through the passage, but this, there's a lot of application here. It's not just a good story. And I think we do need to be aware of these things because these were Jewish believers who are having an issue. Um, and it was because we've always done it that way. And that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, the Jewish, the people who became Jews needed to be circumcised to be welcomed into the fold, um, the, the, the Gentiles. And so it was natural. They thought, oh, these people, they, they should, you know, this comes because of the issue as we see, and Paul deals with us later on. Um, in, in even in Acts 15, 10, this is an issue. It says, now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? It talks about putting anything on top of what Christ did. And salvation requires nothing else. It is a gift of God. Um, so things like these are those burdens or yokes we're not to put on each other. Um, and we learn not, we need to learn not to do this because our yoke needs to be with Jesus Christ alone. There's no additional work or requirement for salvation. Um so anyway, just as he, Peter was horrified with his vision of rise, kill, and eat, um, these men were in opposition to the idea Peter had defiled himself. Um, these are issues we need to wrestle with also. Um, we're going to tackle these a little bit later, but um, I just want to go go ahead and we'll tackle this because it's pretty much a re-proclaiming re, uh, of the testimony that happened. But he doesn't, you notice that he's being called out for something and he doesn't talk about what he did. He talks about what God did. Yeah. I love that. He didn't defend himself. He didn't need to defend himself. God did this whole thing and they just needed to see this. Mm -hmm. um, so he went ahead and explained this. Um, and I'm just going to skip down to a couple of verses. I don't need to read the whole testimony. We've, we've gone through it already and you've already studied it yourselves. But um the spirit, it says in verse 12, the spirit told me to go with them without misgivings, without doubting, without having issue. And these six brethren also went with me and we entered the man's house. It's important to note that Peter wasn't alone in this, mm -hmm. right, Colby? I mean, he had his six companions oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go alone. I have to prove it to later. Yeah. I, Thank the Lord. I, yes. I very wise. Know. Many, many witnesses. So Anyway, and verse 15, it says, I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And here we have a reflection back to Acts chapter two, because we know the Holy Spirit came down and they were speaking in other tongues and proclaiming the great things of God. And in Acts 10, 46 from last week, it says that they heard Cornelius and that his household speak with tongues and magnify God. 
So it is, this is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It came from heaven. They didn't lay hands on them. They didn't, this was God's work entirely, Mm -hmm. entirely. Colby, did you have anything um, about that? No, I I could only imagine how many walls this event really literally crushed. Um, You were, you were mentioning that uh, before that in the Bible and in the Old Testament, you have the proselytes, you know, they can come in, the Gentile can come in, but he would have to adhere into all the Jewish laws, all of them, every one of them. And that was the way to come in, but then you would be literally considered Jew. But you will see here that Cornelius is not one of those because he is considered unclean, not proselytized. He was a a Gentile um, in the army, Roman army, basically, who who was one of the furthest of Jewish uh, people. And uh, but he feared God and his his prayers and his desire to know the Lord, his giving, his godliness in his character had not opened him the door of salvation. That's clear, right? He mm-hmm. had to hear the word in order to be saved. But those good deeds and good heart and the desire to know the Lord made him the first person where really God literally opens the doors so that the Jews are just blown away. Yes, yes. I'm and mindful. Yeah, you were mentioning the chapter 15 where they're going to hash it oh, out. Yeah. It's going to be a huge process. Oh, but yeah. What a, what a cornerstone of the whole for the whole world. Isn't it? And you and what they what he spoke about Cornelius, he was a God-fearing man. God looks on those people whose hearts fear him and revere him. And he's mindful. Yeah. But he, he com- has to receive that word of God. Yes. Jesus, yes. So, but for but when God looks and he sees somebody is really earnestly seeking, Amen. he is one who will provide what they're looking for. Because he wants to be found. He's looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. It's a beautiful picture. Well, let's go ahead and continue. Um, Let's see, verse 17 and 18. These really stuck out to me because there's some statements in here that I think we need to wrestle with. Um, he, He was remembering that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus had said. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift, as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and they glorified God saying, well, then don't you love it? Well, then God has granted the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to yes. life. Yes. You know, yes. I just think about what God was teaching them and what he's teaching us. Peter learned, Peter learned through his obedience to God's voice and vision. He was not to put his perception or judgment on a person to whether they were worthy worthy to associate with, to talk with, or to receive the message of salvation. He wasn't even to think about men with partiality, but go and witness without doubting. And we spoke about it a little bit last uh, week too, that really Talmud, the human, again, the people's, uh, traditions was what was calling uh, the Gentiles really, really un- unclean. It wasn't something that you can see actually in the, in the scriptures of the Old Testament itself. But um, but this type of wall and and calling them names and everything was something that Jesus had to bump heads with. 
Yes. And so had Saul and so or will Saul mostly and uh, here is Peter going again against those human traditions because mm-hmm. something will have to crush that we have built up that is not true. God's God's word has always said that salvation comes through the Jews to all the world, all the nations, every mm-hmm. knee shall bow. It's it's just a. But the other thing I thought, uh, Lauren, if you don't mind me saying, I really like the attitude here. You know, we know that these circumcisers will become the enemy. Some of them will become right. the enemies. Later, Paul will have great wars with them. But here, I would give them a little bit of kudos. They come to them asking questions. Okay, mm-hmm. how do you, I mean, they were abhorred. They were scared. They thought that Peter has lost his footing. But really, it is better to come and ask, okay, how did you come into that conclusion? How do you think this is even okay for you? Please tell us everything. Yes. They gave him the time of day to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And then when it is, it sinks in that the Lord with his Holy Spirit, with his mighty power of God, entered the house of Cornelius. Then they quiet down and then they say, well, then. Yes. Who are we to stand on the ways of yes. God? Yes. And this question is in each one of us. We all face that. Am I the one who raises my hand against the Lord? Mm-hmm. There is no one who can stop his ways. He does his will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do need to test our own ways. And and uh, yeah, what kind of applications are here? Do, do we have some people groups that we consider unpure, impure? Yeah. I can yeah, think that- of some. I know this no. is these are the things that came to me as well because yeah. what they did indeed have a teachable spirit here because they they said okay then this you know and I think it was his faithfulness in speaking what God had done when we speak of what God has done by the power of the Holy Spirit God is the one who's a, who's convicting hearts but they were willing to to hear but I I think about like what you just said we just like Jew- these Jewish believers and the others we're going to see we're weak in our flesh. We have our mindset that we put on things. We have our emotion. We assign to things. So we continually need to be aware of this to grow in a deeper understanding uh, about ourselves and about the Lord. Um, I mean, yeah. to see what, who God is, what he's doing, because we can't, we can't put God in a box. We need to learn how to walk uh, in obedience to him. We don't want to stand in God's way. Yeah. And one other aspect that I want to mention here is something that's really important. We know that Jesus told to Peter, you have been revealed by God something. You will be named rock. Peter is like a Petros, he's a rock. I will build my church upon you, right? And the hells of the gates of hell will not withstand it. Here still, Peter is giving accountability. So he is not somebody who is over everybody, just walks in and says, this is revealed to me. So now you guys just listen to me. No. But the church is still looking for the word as the supreme guide. And I feel like obviously there are such certain denominations and certain churches where you, you hear of infallible people. But even if we don't consider each other infallible, no one should be able to say, okay, I have a new thing that does not match with a word, but I'm right anyway. Yes. The word is the Lord over all the kingdom of God. There is no fault in the word of God. And uh, here we can see Peter contending with these people who knew the scriptures very well. And he, his tool or his sword was still the word. I think Mm -hmm. this is important for us to remember when we have those 
uh, disputes. Also, in, in line with that, and, and um, yeah, I, I like this because this is a spontaneous, spontaneous conversation about this, but it's not just the word, but it's the spirit behind what's being spoken. Hmm. Because the Holy Spirit will direct the word with accuracy and power. Amen. But mm-hmm. the because we know the enemy wields the word. He did that with Jesus, did he not? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we need to be aware that it is the word of God. That the power and of no, Holy and Spirit. And no human God, is, is, exactly. is pure as Jesus. Only yes. his words are absolutely infallible, mm-hmm. without fault. Mm-hmm. So some of the questions that came to my mind um, is, in what ways do we resist the Holy Spirit or stand in God's way mm-hmm. by maybe our wrong perceptions or prejudices you know and I I looked at myself and said well what is the Holy Spirit revealing to me about my own like you said we all have them right and how can I submit these things to God so my heart and mind is aligned with his Mm -hmm. so I throw that out and because we do need to actually learn how to wrestle with these things do you have have any (laughs) (laughs) well um first of all let's look at the idea of standing in God's way um if I am choosing to believe something that I'm sure is true, maybe because I think it keeps me safe. If I don't have to ponder that, that the Holy Spirit is going to do this, that, or the other thing, it might be safe for me to stay in my thought bank of this is how it is all the time. So when something comes along in my, in my experience, whether it's a person's testimony or it, I, I see and witness that God did something way beyond what I would expect. Mm-hmm. The speculative heart would say, ooh, I need to reject this because it people are going to go crazy. Or you search the scriptures, you pray, and you let the Lord confirm what spirit this is and whether this is really true. Because he doesn't want us to, to get in his way of what he's going to do. He wants us to be a part of it. We're supposed to be the body of Christ, meaning that we're walking according to the mind of Christ. Right. Um, so there, there is a... A discerning that needs to happen. And I think knowing the word of God is vital. That is for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you oh, have any thoughts? I agree. I, I agree very much. So the, the knowing of the word that can save our souls. See, that's Absolutely. the thing. It's not we and our wisdom that's going to be carrying us through. It's, it's him. And in humbleness, receive that word that can save your soul. It says, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Peter, I think is, is the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have, um, I saw a documentary that was really interesting to me because we as Christians were so used to having those friend groups and churches and we're clean and pure and we smile and we know our, you know, good manners and all that. But the documentary took Christians into a um, area of a city where there was a lot of poverty and a lot of crime and a lot of deviance, like sinfulness. And they started sharing the word of God. And what what that, I can't even remember the name of the documentary. So if anybody wants to email and ask, I, I would have to look it up and try to find it. But what really shook me up, by the time I was literally deeply, deeply moved, was the way these people responded to the gospel. They would cry. They would fall into their faces. They would say, I am sinning. I have been sinful. Can God even forgive me. Nobody has spoken to me this way. You know, that that idea that we're so used to having the gospel in our back pockets or in our our front pockets, but we don't realize that people a few blocks away may never heard anybody expressing them the word of grace. 
the word of salvation, the, change, the power to change their lives, to come out of, is it the same sex attraction or just desire to do evil, just or the poverty to the level where you're forced to do bad things or just the impure mind. You know, we have so many things. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, that's the wall that we as Christians don't, don't pierce that often. But that's what Peter is doing here. Peter is going, sitting down with people that Talmud would call dogs, right? Talmud yep. would call yeah. them like killable animals, basically. And he is sitting down and sharing the word of God with them as if it belongs to them. And the Jews are basically saying, it was not for them. Have you gone mad? And he says, look, this is what happened. He had a revelation. He saw an angel. He had to <laughs> be obedient. I had to be obedient to the heavenly messenger. And this is how things ended. Now you wrestle with it. So I like what you're saying is at some point we need to realize when God is moving, we need to move away and make room for him and say, Lord, I want to love truth and you more than my understanding. There's a point where our understanding is not like we can't put God in a box. No his rules are his and he's bigger, his might and his grace and his power. His loving kindness is deeper than what we fathom. I think you brought up a really very firm point, And it's something that I'm wrestling with personally is the power of the gospel. Because I tend to be very tentative. I mean, I can sit on this podcast and I can speak freely about it, but I'm behind a computer screen or if I'm in front of the group at church teaching, but when it comes to being out at the store or whatnot, it's not the same thing. But when I look at even the disciples who were sent out, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the word and to cast out spirits. They came back rejoicing (laughs) that the demons were subject to them. I mean, Jesus talked in, spoke into that, you know, be re- rejoice that your names are book, written in the book of life. But the idea that speaking the, the gospel, yeah. speaking the word of Jesus Christ defeating, I mean, he came, it's not just about he came because God loves us. He came to do business. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he just tore down the power of the heavenlies. Mm -hmm. He tore down, he destroyed the work of the devil. And when, when there is a power of speaking the word, the gospel, because God does a work and I'm still wrestling with that. I don't have all the answers. I just, I get get it. I get it. It is true. We don't know what that word can do when received. See, there's two sides. We are supposed to be obedient in speaking, but they have the uh, what is that now? They they need to receive it, right? They can reject or receive, but when those two things come together, the power is released. But God see, works. one of the, one of the things that is a a fear, perhaps, or a prejudice, is yes. thinking, what if they don't believe? Then I shouldn't even say anything. I know that sounds very basic, <laughs> but I am responsible, am I not? And I'm convicting myself as I'm talking. I'm responsible to be obedient. God says, Christ said, you're going to go and you're going to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. If I don't preach it, they're not going to hear it. But if they hear it and don't respond, that's not on me. So I never say, um, I, I actually don't like to do this, but I will say it anyway. Well, you know, imagine for a second that Peter would have argued away with God. I mentioned last week that the three times um, 
of uh, seeing the vision she, and him saying, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it correlates also with three times of him denying Jesus Christ, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. it could be that he's thinking he's tested. He's tested. And if he would have stood his ground and said, no, Lord, I will not do it because I know better. But he humbled himself and saw the power of God. And I feel like that's also the same place where we need to learn to humble our hearts when his voice is speaking to us. Yeah. And I know, Lauren, we are, you know, we are mothers, we are wives, we are society members. We have some reputation or some name to cover. But the point is, we don't see the glory of God if we do not forsake our own yes, amen. security. Amen. And it comes through it. This sword cuts through every person personally and to the churches, through mm-hmm. families. Mm-hmm. We need to make those choices. And Lord's eyes are scanning for those who trust on him to show his power on their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things that came to me in terms of you wouldn't expect, but I'll share this anyway, just and hopefully this will make sense, um, at least from my perspective, what I'm trying to share is in verse 18 when he mentions that, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. I started, I've been thinking about repentance as well. And the ability to repent as a gift of God. And what does that mean for us? And how does that play into us not standing in God's way? And I just want to share a few thoughts. Um, As we know, to repent is not just to say, I'm sorry. Um, it's to really recognize our spiritual poverty before God and to be brokenhearted over it. Um, it's to change our mind and hate sin and then turn to God for his forgiveness, his mercy, and his help because we need his help to live rightly. We can't do it on our own. Jesus needed to rely on everything God told him and showed him. He, he did nothing of his own initiative. So we we cannot lose this focus ever, ever, ever lose this focus. And you know, I think we as Christians, I'm not going to claim everybody, but I do know that as we get on our merry way, even being believers a number of years, that if we don't stay in that place of brokenness, recognizing that our mm-hmm. sin is not just a bad mm-hmm. thing we did to another person, but it's breaking our fellowship with God. Yes. Because oftentimes I think, oh, I did this thing. I can go and apologize. I'm good. Well, how does God feel about that? Yes, I need to go reconcile with my brother, but as David said, when he, when he was convicted against you only, I have sinned mm. adultery, murder, idleness. I mean, everything that he had done, he recognized, yeah, he'd taken somebody's life. He'd taken somebody's wife, but it was against God wow. that he had sinned. And so when I, when I think about that, um, yeah. it's, I think it's important that we don't lose sight that all of our wrong thinking and our doing it, it is against God. Mm-hmm. Romans two, four says, do you presume or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance yes. and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. His kindness is meant intended to lead us to repentance. So we're not to presume or take it for granted. It's only really because of Jesus life, his suffering and death in humble obedience to God, that we even have God's kindness extended to us. Yes. That's the only reason. I mean, yes, God loves us, but that's, he sent Jesus. So we need to keep Christ at the center, his mm-hmm. work and his sacrifice in our vision and consider mm-hmm. what it cost God to redeem us. In Luke 24, Jesus, before he ascended, said, 
Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father on you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem, as you know. When I think about what this is saying, we go out and we say, God loves you, believe in Jesus, live a good life. That's mm-hmm. not what this is saying. It's repentance and remissions of sins. It is being broken before God and realizing he, he is offering you grace and forgiveness and he can restore you so you're not walking dead anymore mm-hmm. because we're all walking dead. alive, new creation. Yes. yes. Firstborns. So, so yeah. connecting, so connecting it, just this one last thought, connecting it to, um, to this whole idea of not standing against God. It's the Holy Spirit who grants us not only the power to witness, but also brings to us and to the whole world, the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You remember Jesus spoke about this in John 16, 8. This is the kindness and mercy God has granted us. Mm-hmm. So we, we must never quench the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit works that gift of repentance in us that we can actually move on, have our perspective change like Peter did. We mm-hmm. have to be humble before, before God, like you said, that brokenness of heart. You know, and that actually is a good segue to, to I'm, I'm going to do a little jump and then you can go back because oh, I know you jump. looked into the history. <laughs> we'll do a little jump, ladies. Uh, well, you were saying basically what the verse uh, 23 says, you know, I love Barnabas. We all now love by now. I'm sure yes, every table now do. loves Bar- Barnabas for many reasons. But what does he say when he came and saw the grace of God? He was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Now, I looked it up in. The, um, so that's ESV. But but then it also says, I, 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 actually, I did not print them out. If you look at different versions there, it, uh-huh. it does say it very strongly with steadfast purpose, cleave to the Lord, hold on to him. Basically, this is this idea that Anna Aseltine keeps talking yes. about the rope. You're cleaving to this for life. This is your lifeline. You cannot let it go. Um, and uh, Joshua 22, 5 in the Old Testament says only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded to love the Lord, your God. So this is your cleavance, right? And to walk in all his way, to keep his commandments and to cling to him, to serve him with all your heart. So and this does contrast a little bit with what we see in today's modern Christianity sometimes. Oh, you say Jesus is your Lord. You're good now. Go and enjoy your life. <laughs> no, serve him, cleave Amen. to him, know his word, speak him, be, speak, pray for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seek his will. You put, you die to yourself. Live for yes. Christ. Yes. There's so much that we yeah, forget when we, when we paint it down. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that we let a lot of... Um, just, um, you know, it says, do not forsake him. The word forsake is an interesting word. It's not so much that you despise it um, knowingly. It's more like, oh, I somehow cast it aside because there was something more important going on. Forsake is almost accidentally leaving it behind or setting it aside, Mm -hmm. which we should not do. (laughs) Do not forsake his law. Do not forsake his presence. And oftentimes I'm thinking of the... um, Obviously, the um, desert, right? Israelites in the desert, they have yes. to see where is that pillar of the cloud or a, or a fire. 
and they would need to move. Sometimes you move, it's not comfortable, but you take your tents and you move again. And we as Christians, that's our journey as well, to move with him in his presence. We are, um, we're blessed and we will know that we are secure. This is the tower of salvation. So many pictures he gives us that way. He is the good shepherd. We have to be near him to hear his voice. We need to That's be listening. Right. And the idea, that idea of my soul follows hard after you or stays close, clings. Yes. So there's this idea of staying very yeah. close by and not getting, if you, you know, like when you're, you're a little kid and you're walking in the grocery store with your mom and you get distracted by this thing on the shelf, pretty soon you turn and your mom's not there. It's a your mom. Idea. It's a say, you just get distracted and you go the other way. And it's like, whoops, now I don't know where she is. You forsake your mom. Yes. <laughs> forsake. <laughs> she didn't forsake yeah. Forsake her. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh Barnabas, obviously, Barnabas is wonderful. He what is he doing? He is going to uh Antioch, which is the first Gentile city. Basically, what they're saying is uh, so the apostles are still in Jerusalem. They're they're staying in where it all started to keep it all together and be there for anybody who comes. But these um these seven and their disciples are going into different places, and it says one of the verse, yeah, right, 19, I believe, yeah, that they spoke mostly to Jews, but then some went into Gentile areas. And that's outrageous. You go just to the Gentiles and you're basically evangelizing people who are not Jewish. So now, now we're having a bigger problem. And that's what culminates in the chapter 15, where we see the Jerusalem council. That's exactly the reason, because they would share the word. The Holy Spirit is moving. These people are getting saved. You can see the fruit of the Spirit on them. But they are ruled without rules of the Jewish religion. So that's where the problem really comes. But Barnabas is going. So he is the elder, takes his bags and goes to teach them. He goes and seeks out Saul. You remember in chapter nine, I believe it was chapter nine, where the uh, persecution rose so strong that the brethren had to take Saul back to Tarsus. Now, on, based on the sound of it here, it looks like Barnabas actually had to look him up. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Saul was sent to Tarsus, as we remember, uh, for his protection. And they think he was in Tarsus about two years before Barnabas came looking for him. And I looked it up. Tarsus is about 123 miles by land from Antioch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it, it, we don't know whether he went by land. You can take a boat uh, because it's about 10 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. So there's a way to over there. But uh, either way, he went, he went to look for Saul. Um, just a note about Antioch, just so to, if people are familiar, this is the Syrian Antioch. Uh, this is in Syria. Um, we'll see that there's another Antioch later in Paul's journeys, but this one is um, in Syria. It's on the River Orontes. It's about 16 miles from the Mediterranean and about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Um, it was established in th- 300 B.C., uh, by the Seleucid dynasty, and it became uh, part of the Roman Empire. And in Paul's day, it was the third largest city in the empire, and it ranked third after Rome and Alexandria in terms of its importance. Mm-hmm. It actually was called, there was two names I found, the Queen of the East, or the first city of the East. And it had a large colony of Jews uh, living there, uh, predominantly among Greek the Greek population. Um, 
So it, it was kind of a bustling center. There was a city called Daphne, just our town, uh, a little bit outside, which had a temple to Artemis. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of bad behavior going on there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A lot yes, of pagan worship. A lot Absolutely. of pagan worship. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's, that's just geographically where those places yeah. are. Yeah. So uh, wondering too, why did Barnabas decide to go and look for Saul, right? Ah. One of the things is obviously that he was the first one to even recognize that Saul is genuine in his turn toward God, right? That that it, he could see that the spirit of the Lord has changed and circumcised the heart of Saul, right? So again, I don't want to ever say it, but I do say it anyway, is what if he wouldn't have gone and Saul came out? Because we are now seeing him starting to train someone who is Saul, who is well-educated, well-trained in the scriptures, is very fiery for the Lord, but has been separated, has been gone away from the center. And he goes after him and just brings him in. And they spent the whole year teaching these new converts in Antioch. And this is also then the place where they are called Christians first, right? And and that's actually derogatory. I'm sure many of you ladies already looked it up as well. But interesting fact is the Jews would not call that name as Christians because that word Christ is holy for them. It is Mm -hmm. the the Messiah. That's the um, uh, Greek version of the word Messiah, which means the anointed one. And they would not spell it out. So it must have been then the Gentiles or the pagans who would call them derogatorily, like little Christs or the Christ followers or the people who try to live like someone called Christ. So this is an... um, an idea there. And then they uh, they just later, they will be actually Saul and uh, Barnabas, they will be dedicated to the work of God in Acts 13, as a couple to go on the field together too. Yeah. I just wanted to, I appreciate what you said, you know, in terms of their relationship, because I pondered that in the light of what the application points are for me for this passage. And Barnabas believed God about Paul. I mean, he could have responded in fear like everyone else when they knew he was dangerous. Paul, mm-hmm. ooh, this is Saul, he's dangerous, but he didn't. He believed and his the testimony of Saul that he was being called by God to the Gentiles. I mean, part of his mm-hmm. testimony is I'll show him how much he's going to suffer for my sake. You know, we, we get that in the scriptures and that, that, that Barnabas embraced Saul came alongside him and said he actually took him and introduced him to the other, uh, you know, the other disciples, the other apostles. And, and that, that idea that he is willing to come alongside Saul for fellowship, to train, to encourage uh, in the faith. And when he saw the ministry growing here in Antioch, I can't help but he thought, you know, Paul is called to the Gentiles. God said this. Mm-hmm. And he understood the importance, not only just of Paul as a brother, but Paul as a fellow minister of Christ, that God had called him to this purpose. And it was a, going to be a huge part. He's a huge part of the ministry. And he recognized him as a, as a member of the body of Christ. And I, I, for me, that just shows that, you know, we shouldn't discount one another. Um, Barnabas, as we see, is willing to, work alongside Paul. In the beginning, we see it's Barnabas and Saul. Later, it's Paul and Barnabas. He wasn't caught up about being important or anything. He was just being who God wanted him to be. Barnabas just was very content 
Well, he deserves his, his name, job. right? Absolutely. His, his original name is actually Joseph, but he was Absolutely. widely called Barnabas. Yes. So we get him as Barnabas, which means the son, son of, of encouragement. encouragement. And we see yes. him going through everywhere. Another thing too, we're going to see this famine and we're talking about the prophets, but mentioning Barnabas here, you remember where we first saw him was in chapter, um, where was it? Chapter four, uh-huh. where he sends, sells his field. He is the man who brings and inspires basically everyone else to start selling their lands. So his heart was just wide open for the gospel. He would put his own monies. Also, in the later when so Paul is talking about them not having salary, but paying for themselves wherever they go, he mentions, is it only me and Barnabas that should do that? Because everyone else is getting paid, you know? But the idea being that they were for the gospel without any selfish ambition. Yes, yes. It was just given away, going out of their place just to um, build each other up. And what would we do without people like Barnabas? Amen. Seriously, Amen. We, we, we would, how many people would not be active in the kingdom of God if there wouldn't be someone to come alongside and say, let's do it together. I'll help you. Let's go there. Let's do this. Barnabas, like you mentioned too, is here one of the main leaders of the church, right? Mm -hmm. But later they will turn around and Acts 14, 12, it says where where these uh, pagans are trying to make them gods, then they say, oh, Paul was now the main speaker, right? So now Barnabas is in the back seat and letting Paul to be the main speaker because that's where his calling was. Yes, yes. He's encourager. So just wonderful things. And even though they will have later a little bit of a, bump on the road as well it is uh it's it's still quite smart what they're doing and where they go and then god brings even that back but we're going to talk it's all in the books of acts book (laughs) of acts so we won't jump there right now we'll just whet your appetite yeah so then uh we let's talk about prophets a little bit so we're here now that the people are coming who are called prophets now, we know from the um, Joel 2.28, where it says, I will pour out my spirit to on all flesh, and that is on the latter days. This is the days after Jesus' this Holy Spirit is poured out. God's gift to all Christians is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of prophecy as well. But here we still see that there are called prophets, and there is this little brotherhood of men who come down and they uh, come to minister again in Antioch. Know this too. God sends godly people from the the tribe of, Ju- of Jews into this Antioch to minister, to feed, to, to equip this church. That little body was as important to them, to the Lord, as any other. This church needs to be fed. So, and then there's this guy, Agabus, we have by name, who uh, foretells by the spirit about the famine that is coming on the old the earth. Now we, we see from historic books and when you look, and I know Lauren, I actually asked you to look into it a little bit more. Um, it obviously is not covering the whole earth as much as they know. They're obviously wow. sending money to Judea, right? They're, 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 they know where it's going to be mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea here is we are brethren. We are going to, support one another and it is something that is not taught or demanded or orchestrated from top to bottom but it comes um 
spurs to action almost instinctively, right? Through the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, they say, our brethren will be in trouble. Let's put some monies back and send it there. So few points. Um, the prophets that are, that are coming there are something that we call a gifting, right? For the, uh, for the church. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God has appointed in the church, and you look at that too, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then and then go, goes further. And in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, we see a similar thing. And he gave, in context, it is the gifts, as the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds to equip the saints. So we see that even in the New Testament church, we still have people who have the gift of prophecy or the office. Sometimes we call it an office of the prophecy, even though each Christian, everybody can and will, and is called to speak by the spirit, which is the definition of prophecy as well. Mm -hmm. And here we see a New Testament prophecy about the future. So we know we're Everybody's very careful about when, when to talk about the future or whatnot, but here is a positive uh, example of God equipping the people to prepare for something that could otherwise wipe them off or become a big, big trouble. Mm -hmm. The Lord um, speaks to his servants about the things that are his secret counsel that he plans to do. Amos says, mm -hmm. I will not do anything without speaking to my servants first. Mm -hmm. So it, it is something that... His, cover, his care for us includes prophecy. Um, now, today's prophecy needs to be tested, right? First Thessalonians 5, 20, 21 says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what, what is good. And First Corinthians 13, 9 to 10 says, for we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, partial passes away. So we are the partial ones. But when Jesus comes back, when all will be as we, and we see him as he is, then we will see all things perfectly. Mm -hmm. Right now we have like this dim mirror, it says. And, um, and the prophecy can be that. We don't stone people anymore who are prophesying, but we have to test and we have to look how the spirit in the church and in us confirms or doesn't confirm certain. Mm -hmm. So I want to say, let's not despise prophecies, but let's test everything with the Amen. word of God, through the spirit of God. And here in uh, Acts uh, 11, we see that these people were, were helping one another and and uh, were well equipped by the spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Did you want to say anything here? Oh, just first of all, um, we're going to see Agabus again in Acts 21.10 uh, when he is Again, he's speaking to to Paul at that time, uh, giving him a warning about what to expect when he gets to Jerusalem. So indeed, he does, you know, foretell. I'm mindful of how Joseph uh, foretold about the famine through through the dream that he interpreted yes. from Pharaoh. So, yes. you know, God does for his purposes. He does that in this particular purpose. He is building the church to love one another and to minister to one another, not just in teaching and with healing and all that, but also with generosity and with care. And um, as we know, this, this famine actually did happen. Yeah. They called it a worldwide famine in that day. They would have been speaking predominantly about famine in the Roman empire. And we know throughout Claudius Caesar's reign, he was in power from AD 41 to AD 54, that the first 11 years of his reign were pretty much one disaster after another in terms of drought and famine. And it came to Judea in 
uh, I think it was around the second or third year of his reign. So it, there's some accounts that say it kind of peaked in AD 46. So that's the time frame we're looking at as like uh, 42, 46, 47, 48, but it lasted quite a while. So there was a desperate need and, uh, yeah. and they rose up um, to meet that need. And it's a good example for yeah. all of us. And I think here is a good place to, to talk. So something that Holy Spirit has put on my heart and my husband's heart lately very much is about giving. And here we see the giving, right? That they gladly put their monies together. And it says, according to their own decision, based on how much they felt that they can. So it's a free will offering, but it is very hardy. And we see in um, in Second Corinthians 9, 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I love that. Don't mm. you think, just let's think about it. Absolutely. You, the Holy Spirit, God himself says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Mm. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Wow. See, when you are poor and you have the famine, and your brethren and sisters, by the way, the word brethren in English only sounds like it's for male, but really it means the family from the same tree, family tree. So it includes the baby girls and grown up women as well, <laughs> that it is uh, it is that the, the family of believers will take care of you and will send you that money. How much praise will you give to God at that point? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like COVID, and I've mentioned it in my friendship groups lately a lot, is COVID has taken away income from several people who have been ministering in the fields of the Lord for years and years and years. We know a couple uh, people who have been over 30 years on the field and their income have only has only been from good giving from people. Yeah. And now they're at their homes. They can do Zoom. That's all they can. And it is I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not for them the same. And income definitely is not. So it, to be prayerful and see where the needs us are around us. It's great to send it into far country where we never get feedback from. But I feel like we're responsible for the people we know. We, we, we should start with our neighbor, mm -hmm. the one that God has connected us. Because it's at a certain point, if we look at our brother or our sister and we see that they're lacking and we shut our heart and we think, oh, no, you know what? I have something more important to do. Then um, we might shut again the Lord's ways. Yes. You know, yes. It, he, he's abundant. He's rich. And he wants us to get this satisfaction of seeing our own um, monies and uh, handiwork to bring praise to him. Mm -hmm. it, will, it will be so much richer. Mm -hmm. And of course, Luke six thirty eight. Many people know this one: "Give, and it will be given to you." A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It comes from the Old Testament, right? Running over, it will be poured onto your lap. Amen. And but it, it says, "For which the measure you use, it will be measured, be measured to you." You know. So let's be generous. Let's be spurned into the good action. Let's love one another, not only in words but in deeds as well. Amen. Amen. And then they gave so it to good. the elder. Yeah, isn't it good? Good word. Thank you, Colby. That's good word. <laughs> it's good because it's on my heart. I've been mulling over it so much. And I feel like here in Silicon Valley, our, our income is insane. If you have an income, it's pretty good in the world standards, right? So to be prayerful and ask, what can we do with it so that we would have a lot of reward in heaven? You know, if God says reward is important, then let's consider it important. 
You know, Paul says, I don't want to lose my crown. I don't want to, I don't want to lose the good deeds that the Lord has set before us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's, let's fill them with abundance because he is abundant. He's Mm -hmm. so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you wanted to say something about the uh, elders, presbyters. We oh, both no, looked no. it up, but yeah, no, that just this is this is the first time that that's particularly mentioned in terms of yeah. a, an office in the in the church that it was sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. I yeah. love how they they sent Barnabas and Saul again back to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, there's there's no. I was looking up elders because I know there's different terms, but presbyters is another presbyteros is the word. Um, but we have elders also mentioned in Revelation. There are 24 members of the heavenly mm-hmm. Sanhedrin, or they're the elders who are oversee. Uh, it's almost like the mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the responsible ones, the ones who are overseeing. And sometimes yes. I laugh if the elders do everything, you know, if the presbyters, uh, then they don't have nothing to look upon. But they're supposed <laughs> to be overseers. That means the action needs to happen somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, sometimes yeah. we look up to pastors and elders oh why don't they do this or that but the truth is they're supposed to oversee all the actions so we are the part of a body as well yes. yeah you know another um just like anna sometimes says a free fact we won't charge you for it but <laughs> if anybody is looking into the apologetics at all and if they know one of the um um, one of the things that people say uh, in the world sometimes is, oh, Christianity is just invented in order to take over the world or influence people and, and all this. In this account with Peter and the Jews, um, it comes from historical roles, right? We know that, that there is this, the whole way how the Bible comes together, and it includes a lot of documents. Now, this account here is enlightening the fact that really the Jews were not looking to get the Gentiles part as part of their as part of their body at all. They were literally trying to fight it out. They were not eager to have as many heads and voices in their on their side. Um, so in apologetics, that is considered one of the good points to bring up to people is that actually Christianity was not meant to take over the whole world originally. And that was mm-hmm. a whole war over it. So just a little fact. Yeah, yeah. God's okay. God's kingdom is coming. He does what he wants. He yeah. he he nobody can stay on his way and uh and we will see his glory and and we're we're I feel like we're living in good days. We're seeing more and more of mm-hmm. his real plan rolling out. And I know Lauren we both know we know so many friends and people who are really stressed out right now there's yeah. so much happening the yeah. news and the and how our families some families are divided over opinions and problems and and just the fear of certain situations but the truth is too when the darkness tries to become and fear and intimidate then the light will become also much yes. brighter mm-hmm. and uh, and in the book of revelation did not look it up so you can search it out yourself um, it does say, let the, let the wicked one do more wickedness, but the, re- the righteous ones do more righteousness, so yes. that by the time he comes back, it's clear. It's clear yes. who is righteous yes. and who is not. So it is good time of separation. Let's just cling to the Lord, like Barnabas, Barnabas was really encouraging them. Yes. Don't forget you what you're learning. Cling to the Lord. Learn the word. Walk in the spirit. Um and stay with it. It is nothing that it, it is the price of the blood of Christ that we are bought with. 
Amen. Amen. It is the blood of Christ that was poured out for you and me. Mm -hmm. We should not take it lightly and we should be um, just thanking God and speaking gladly about it to everyone who dares to listen. <laughs> Amen. And I think, you know, we've, we've, we've got so much to ponder from this and so many, so many things, so many opportunities to look at the word of God and look at our lives, look at what God is doing and come alongside like, like Barnabas, you know, come along and follow the Lord. Amen. Just draw near, draw near and learn and glean and try to encourage one another in the faith. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. So ladies, we 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 hope that you enjoyed your week on this particular passage. Uh, and we just joined to pray together uh, for all of us as we tackle um, chapter 12 and 13. Those are our next two chapters before we break for our Christmas holiday. Um, and... We're getting deeper and closer and let us continue to strive with one another that we might indeed attain that for which we've been called uh, by Christ Jesus. We thank you. Pray that you'd have a good week. See you all next time. Bye.